And I will never forget those words. This isn't vacation, is it mom? And at that moment, I was roughly $700,000 in personal debt. My marriage had long been over, but I hadn't even had a nickel to do anything legally about that. And it was time to face my, for, to me to face myself, my mirror, my bank account, my children, and regroup. Welcome to another episode of the ROI podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. So if this is your first time joining us, we want to welcome you to the Kelly family and just remind you and for everyone listening that we exist to help you grow personally, grow in influence within your leadership, and help your organization as a whole grow so you can be the best self and thus bring in so many more people with you along the journey. So if you have a question that you're wrestling with as a leader, maybe you'd like to figure out what our faculty are researching or tap into some of the knowledge we have here at Kelly, or you just know of an individual who would make a great guest for our show, send us an email to ROIPod. That's R-O-I-P-O-D at I-E-P-U-I dot E-D-U. So in higher education, it is like alphabet soup, it seems, out there. There are so many buzzwords when you're trying to learn, especially when you're in the MBA program anywhere in the country or any business degree for that matter. You hear things like culture, organizational values, mission, vision. Heck, you even hear the term soft skills. But what the heck does all of this mean? And it's really interesting because some of these words, some of these words are extremely powerful in, in what they mean, what they represent, and uh, what they are, but yet I think we use them so much or they're so diluted because there's so many different definitions across the board that it tends to get lost. Well, today we have a very special treat with you. We are going to sit down with the entrepreneur, speaker, and author of What an MBA Taught Me But My Kids Made Me Learn, B. Ray, who focuses her book a lot on these soft skills within business. Be it just first off, welcome to the ROI podcast. Uh, thanks, Matt. I'm delighted to be here. So let's get into uh, the thesis of this book, you know, the 30,000 foot view level. Obviously, you know, you went to a very well-renowned business school, uh, Harvard Business School to get your MBA. And I mean, obviously you'd think many individuals think, oh, sh- well, that's it. You go to Harvard, you learn everything there is to know about business, you're set, never have to learn anything else. But you're making a case that there was missing pieces within your education uh, that you had to learn kind of outside the classroom. So, so talk about, you know, your book and, and what it is. The book is basically highlighting that Harvard is an incredible place for learning people's skills. So I actually go through and talk about the environment and the structure and what Harvard specifically does to ensure they become a great listener, that you are wonderful with collaborating. And just to give you a couple quick examples is um, you have to listen to 80 different people at once in the classroom and know what each person said and know how to build on or contradict. And so one of our professors said, you know, you all came here with a story to tell, but you leave here world-class listeners. And so that's an example of Harvard doing an incredible job at teaching people skills 
and, and they did, and I'm so grateful for that opportunity. Another example is collaboration. The amount of work we had was far greater than any one person could handle. So in the book, I walk through how we all established, um, so we call them study groups, little four-person groups that would meet at 7 a.m. before the classes, and we would kind of delegate out who dove deep in each of the cases. And so Harvard doesn't say, here's a curriculum for people skills, but it creates an environment where you're going to learn a lot about what we call these soft skills, excuse me, soft skills, as you say, which, by the way, are pretty hard, right? <laughs> um, but what I learned over time is the best way to hone people skills is to try to raise some in my home. And that was through parenting. And so as great as Harvard was and is, parenting, being a parent, learn, the, the stakes are higher when you're holding one of those little nuggets and trying to raise them in the world. And so it was through parenting that I honed the people skills that were already taught or that, to which I had been exposed. Let's get into, you know, before we dive in really in depth with this book, let's start defining, you know, when you say soft skills, because obviously, you know, like I said in our intro, it, it, it's one of those words I think that people get tone deaf to because it's thrown out so much or there's just such a, a litany of definitions out there that it's, you know, it's kind of hard to grasp, grasp. So let's talk about, you know, when you mentioned soft skills, what are you referring to? So I'm referring to executive leadership and what I would call people skills. So the kinds of things I talk about are mm -hmm. collaboration, delegation, motivation, gratitude, attitude, um, those sorts of things that I believe with the right attention, you can move the needle. So we're actually making a difference. And by the way, I think it's more important than anything else, than um technical skills, then honing a product, that anything, you know, if you move 5% on your people skills, I think you're going to have twice the impact if you make your product 10 times as powerful or fast or um, with, you know, 10 different new features. I think in learning those people skills, which is not sales, sales is a conglomeration of many different people skills or customer service, those sorts of things. I think that's a good delineation to make talking about, you know, it's not just learning something simply for the benefit, like you saying, of sales per se, or, you know, making you a better salesperson, but just making you a better, you know, leader, better influencer, better just individual that's going to transcend, you know, into family life and and other things. Um, I love what you said in the beginning about Harvard talking about, you know, everyone says you have a story to tell, you know, and so I, I want to know what was your story, you know, talk th us through the journey of how you arrived at this epiphany of man, you know, I went to a prestigious place, yet I learned some of the greatest lessons just in, in my own home, you know, with my family. Right. Oh, thank you so much. So I had the privilege of taking about six years off and I actually raised my children on a bridgeless island. So big city girl went to country mouse. Uh, and my son, for example, was the smartest kid in first, second and third grade in the whole school. But he was also the dumbest because he was the only one. So, <laughs> so we lived a very wonderful life. Um, and when that when it was time to go back, I, I, I was afforded that opportunity because I had sold a company, had a little bit of a paycheck, took many years off to be a stay-at-home mom, and then it was time to return. 
And at that point, I had lost a ton of confidence. What kind of skills did I have? I hadn't been in boardrooms. I hadn't been doing public speaking. I hadn't been writing proposals. What, what, what could I do to offer a company? And I'd done a lot of diaper changing. I'd done a lot of PTO meetings. I had um, done a lot of bike rides. So what happened was that was the point where my career took off. And I kept looking around thinking, how did that happen? What, what's going on here? And I was flooded by thank you notes. I was running a nonprofit. We were helping literally hundreds of startups. And when I started asking myself the question, why are we getting these thank you notes? What are we doing that's helping these people? What am I doing? What skill set do I have? And then I asked the most important question, which is, where did I get that skill set? Where did I get the skill set to help this company meet the venture capitalists that they need, to hone their product, to attract this customer, to find the right business partner and make sure their incentives were aligned? Where did I get those skills? And I asked myself that question and I considered a number of answers, but the main answers I considered were, I went to Harvard Business School. Is that where I got that skill? And I'd break it down. I had two decades with entrepreneurs. Is that where I got that skill? I broke it down. And over and over the answer to where did I get the skill to bring people together, to collaborate, to do some creative thinking or some problem solving was, oh, I had been a mom. I had been put in the position to answer a question, solve a problem, find a new solution as a parent. And that's where the book began. Thank you for sharing that story. That's really incredible. Uh, and I want to, you know, go into now that you work with a lot of in, a lot of leaders within industries and, you know, you're traveling the country speaking and sharing, you know, your wisdom you've learned. Uh, I want to start by asking where are some areas or maybe a specific area where organizational leaders simply miss the mark or maybe overlook when it comes to uh, incorporating soft skills or possessing certain soft skills? Oh, that's such a great question. Well, there's two major ways. Uh, and one is that we forget to focus on it. We think it's just something that comes naturally. And so we feel as though, oh, that just is who the person is and we can't improve it or change it or make it better. And, and the reality of what I found is there isn't a magic answer to things like, focus, negotiation, etc. I do put some tips and tricks in what's worked for me, but even just the invitation to consider. So I have ideas that use that I use for my family around gratitude. You don't have to use the same ones, but if I just invite you to consider the power of gratitude, or I invite you to consider the power of bringing positive energy to a meeting or to a negotiation or to a hard conversation with a employee, then what I'm allowing you to do is reflect on your own situation, tell your own story, and I'm inviting you to improve that lever in your own soft skills. And so what corporations do where they're missing the mark is because there isn't one right way to do some of these soft skills, we don't bother to talk about them at all. And so we lose the whole invitation of trying to improve. So that's area number one. Area number two is the why I wrote the book. And the why is that and, and on the cover of the book, I'm sitting on a jungle gym in like a business in business attire. And the reason is that's a nod 
to Sheryl Sandberg because Sheryl Sandberg, COO of Facebook, when she wrote Lean In said that our career paths are not linear. It's not a linear ladder, corporate ladder that we climb. It's a jungle gym. And we need to think of wherever we are sitting on that jungle gym as a place where we can learn and grow and change and impact. And to me, the why I wrote the book is that people think of parenting, those who are applying for a job and those are hiring as sort of a black smudge, something we hide from our LinkedIn profile, something we don't look at or mention in an interview. We don't put it on our resume. And I want to change that. I want to let people give themselves credit for all of the things that they've done in their life and all of the areas that they've been able to learn and grow and impact. And parenting is right up there. And so there's also this, you know, negative uh, perception. Sometimes, you know, some people view soft skills as a very negative thing or maybe more as a, as a weakness. Oh, you got to show a weakness in order to embrace, you know, things like empathy or, you know, being understanding about, you know, something. Um, so how do you uh, coach people through reshaping or re, um, re changing their perspective of how to approach soft skills and buy into it? I don't think I do coach people on that. Um, I don't know if this is the right analogy, but one of the lines in the book is, mmm, says every great mother trying to feed her kid broccoli, right? So <laughs> I didn't tell my kids they had to eat broccoli. I just ate it and said it was delicious. Sometimes they took that as an example. So I don't coach someone and explain that being vulnerable or being authentic or being weak is a great way to being strong, but I do serve as that example. There are places in the book that you might cry. I talk about having $700,000 of personal debt. I talk extensively about failures that I have had. And I think that those invitations bring down guards and allow other people to see strength where they might've otherwise seen weakness, where they start to see connection in the areas where they would have been afraid to be separate. And I'm sure for this, for you specifically, I th I'm sure it brought about a sense of vulnerability because here you are having to open up your whole, you know, your world, your personal world, your business world, everything, which, you know, kind of what you were saying earlier there, I think there is still kind of a remnant from old business practices of work stays separate from home and family. And there's, you know, you keep it, you know, Monday through Friday, nine to five is, Hey, I I'm work me. And then on the weekend, I could put my hair down and be me, me. Yet, I think there are, as generations, you know, start coming in, there's, they're bringing in personal, you know, personal habits. Because they're like, look, I, I'm me throughout, like, regardless. Um, you know, so, so in that state of vulnerability and, you know, how, are, how would you coach individual leaders to kind of, you know, let down um, some, of that, some of that guard that they may have put up on, on, on being separate from work because they don't want, you know, to be viewed negatively or they don't want that. Maybe it's just, they don't want their, I guess those who are leading their that they're leading. Um, they don't want them to view them any other way than having respect for, for the authority that's put, put in place if for, for lack of better, better words. Sure. So I think actually the trick is earning that respect first and being really clear on that vision. So the trick of being vulnerable isn't to start necessarily with vulnerability, but if you have a clear vision 
for where your company's going and you know what success looks like and you can articulate what success looks like. Oh, and by the way, you can articulate what success looks like for each individual. So we have key performance indicators and we know where we're going. All of these traditional things are very, very, very important and we can't get sloppy on them. But when we have that, call it like a skeleton, a framework where that is strong and secure, you're gonna do better achieving that framework if you're real. This is why I'm personally excited to lead the company in this direction because it allows me to pay for my kids to go to college and that's important for me. Or I have this illness in my family or I'm taking care of my elderly parents. Whatever it is that actually is at your core motivating you is excellent. But if you do it without a framework and it feels like the team can just flow in the wind with you, uh, that's problematic. And I think that's where people have gotten off the rails is they didn't have the rails in the first place. And, and therefore, um, soft skills got a bad name, if you will. I want to go back a little bit to uh, part of your story. You know, I'm sure as you're writing it, there were there were many moments, like you were saying, you, you exposed a lot of your failures as a way of, hey, look, this is where I was, but it's not defining me. You know, like it's going to, I'm moving forward despite to talk about one of those specific moments, maybe what was your uh, toughest learning lesson in this journey? Or I guess a better way to define it would say, what was your most defining moment? Because a lot of times failure can be the defining moment that ultimately launch you to where you're supposed to be. Well, let's hope I get to where I'm supposed to be. I'm on that path. Um, but one moment that I'll share with you is what I call my Cindy Lou Who moment. So we all know that Cindy Lou Who is the beautiful little girl in the Who village in the story of the Grinch. And at one point, the Grinch is shoving the Christmas tree up the chimney. And she comes downstairs and says, Sandy, what are you doing? And he got caught. Well, I had a situation where my life, marriage, financial stability had all fallen apart. And it was a summer where we still um, had the title of a home that we was our dream home. I mean, it was such a dream home that the tiles in the wall were hand painted, some with my children's fingerprints. We, we were never, ever, ever going to leave this beautiful home. And yet I hadn't made a mortgage payment in six or seven months. And so it was minutes before we were losing it. And I was in such a place that what I did was I rented out the home week by week by week, which allowed every week was worth a mortgage payment. And so then I went somewhere else. So to this day, my sons pretty much remember that summer as a week at a friend's lake house, uh, beach with grandparents at Uncle Bill's lovely pool. You know, to them, it was this great adventure because we kept going different places, me and my laptop consulting and then renting out the home. But one time we came back to the to our town and, and I was just checking on our home and we stayed in pretty much a dilapidated building nearby. It was so dilapidated that I got a scoop of ice, stuck it in the refrigerator and there is where I placed the milk because the refrigerator didn't work. Um, the washer didn't work and I was upstairs hanging the clothes on a line because the dryer didn't work. And that's when Cindy Lou Who, otherwise known as my daughter, turned to me and she said, this isn't vacation, is it, mom? And I will never forget those words. This isn't vacation, is it, mom? And at that moment, 
I was roughly $700,000 in personal debt. My marriage had long been over, but I hadn't even had a nickel to do anything legally about that. And it was time to face my, for, to me to face myself, my mirror, my bank account, my children, and regroup. And the words, this isn't vacation, is it mom, was how that all began. And I'm for many organizational leaders, everyone has a, a spot of being low. You know, everyone has a spot of hitting maybe their rock bottom in their journey, you know, because that does become a defining moment if you let it, if you choose to make it a defining moment. So for you in that, in that low, where did you find your, you know, your source of light to kind of push through and where did you find that inner strength to kind of, okay, you know what, something's got to change. And, and then what was that? Well, I do have an incredibly strong faith. And so I um, turned to my faith and that was there, that was my beginning, middle and end. Um, and I have three incredible children. They are in spite of me, not because of me, really, really wonderful people. And so I just had to put one foot in front of the other. What I ended up doing was uh, literally waking up every morning at 5 a.m. Uh, to cry. And I cried my eyes out till seven and I might had to play certain songs just to get that going. But oftentimes I didn't. Um, and what I realized was if I could get that out of my system, I could meet them every morning at 7 a.m. with a bright smile, with the gratitude that we needed to face the day and just start rolling. And then what I was able to do was I actually worked three full time jobs simultaneously for almost three years uh, as we climbed out of that problem. And, um, you know, I love speakerphone and mute. I love timed email that I can send at 4am and you don't see it till eight. Uh, I learned a lot of tricks that allowed me to work literally 24 hours a day, but some of those were overlapped. Um, that's incredible. That's a really incredible journey. And I, I think it's really inspiring too for, you know, a lot of leaders, especially, you know, during economic downfalls, during own personal struggles where, you know, you just hit that rock bottom. And I think that becomes the, one of the hardest places for, uh, for anybody is to, um, find a way, find strength really in, in their, in their darkest hour. Um, and so, uh, you know, as, as we kind of talk more about, um, the, the soft skills, it sounds like in just listening to your story that even when you had not or had none, you were embracing these principles so that when you have some or have more, those principles kind of come with you and be your guiding light. Talk about how important it was for you that, like you said, even at five in the morning to seven in the morning, you know, you had to cry your eyes out, but you were not giving up your values and, and those skills that you believed in. Well, it, I say in my TEDx talk, and it's so true, is that people used to say to me all the time, and sometimes still do, but really in that time, they say, I don't know how you do all that you do. So I was this, I was single, uh, single sole provider and sole caretaker of three kids, and then digging through this mound of debt. And they would say, I don't know how you do all that you do and do it with a smile. And my only answer was, because I can't do it with a frown. And that's all I knew was that I, my situation was gonna be the same whether I cried at it or smiled at it. And so I literally just had to smile at it. I did the crying in the morning only so that I could smile for the other 20 hours of the day. And 
and it worked because people want to be near people who are cheerful. People want to be near people who are doing something that is proactive. People want, you know, so it was always a hard balance between uh, being honest because people would say, how are you doing today? And I had to learn a little phrase, which was better for seeing you. That was my answer all the time because I didn't want to say I'm fine because then I might miss out on someone saying, oh, I could drive your son to soccer. Like I wanted help. <laughs> so I wanted to be um, true, but I also didn't want to be in the dumps because that there's no repellent like just being in the dumps. So I really thought about, well, what's my answer going to be when someone says, how are you doing? Because you don't know if that person's just kind of passing you by and saying hello, or they're actually asking how are you doing? And I found that if I, if you said, how you doing? I said, Matt, better for seeing you. If you cared enough to really connect, you would. And if you were just passing by, it was fine. So anyway, that opened up a lot of uh, carpool opportunities, joint dinner opportunities, and all of those partnership fun things that single moms and single parents need. So let's talk about for an organizational leader who may be finding themselves getting ready to, or, you know, wanting to kind of, whether they're in their lowest lowly valley right now, or they're just looking to reshape, you know, their personality, not personality, but maybe reshape, you know, the, some principles that they're wrestling through, or they're just looking, they know, Hey, like there's a weakness here of, I need to develop myself and I need to look for, you know, areas that's going to make me a better individual you know, where should they start? Where, if we, in regards to these soft skills and focusing, like where do people begin their journey? Well, really can be anywhere. Um, I do think authenticity is important, but it is not necessarily project my whole world out in the world. I think the number one place to start is listening. That's often our weakest spot. Uh, and it's such an easy place to show, see improvement in and of yourself. Uh, and so to me, it, it, when I'm talking to an organizational leader, it's um, what are you learning today? What are you learning from your team? How is your team feeling? What have, what surprised you today? Trying to ask those questions that help them to ask better questions. And there's so many in the book, I talk about listening better and listening longer. Those are two different things, but listening better more has to do with not making assumptions about what you think you're hearing. Um, oftentimes it has to do with asking better open-ended questions and listening longer is often about building in margin into your life. So you're not rushing off to the next thing. So you can actually hear what's going on around you, but it also just might mean having a pause, sort of awkward-ish silence. So where can people find, find you, find your book? You know, where do you want people to go to get all the information if they want to learn more? Well, one of the things I want is uh, I want to hear from people, and I especially want to hear from anyone who's listening to you and is a fan because I have a special gift for any of them who happen to buy the book um, in presale, especially. So the book is available, What an MBA Taught Me, and the tagline is, But My Kids Made Me Learn. Uh, my name is B-E-A, and the last name is W-R-A-Y. So you can find it, the book on many online uh, platform. Certainly Amazon and Barnes and Noble are the easiest. You could type in my name or type in the title of the book and it's available right now. You won't get it for a couple months, but if you go ahead and pre-order it, I would love to hear from you. And I can hear from you on uh, Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook. Uh, you can come to my website, which is 
first and last name, B-E-A-W-R-A-Y.com. And any way that you let me know, hey, I heard you on the podcast and then um, got the book, I'll send you a special gift. I'll ask you for your actual mailing address. That's a thing. It's a little old fashioned, but I'm very traditional and you'll get a special little thing in the mail. Again, B. Ray, entrepreneur, speaker, and author of What an MBA Taught Me, But My Kids Made Me Learn. Just want to thank you so much for honoring us with your time here on the ROI Podcast. This has been another episode of the ROI Podcast presented by the Indiana University Kelly School of Business. I'm your host, Matt Martella. Here on the show, our mission is to help organizations make better business decisions. We'll see you next week.